The Indie Insider Podcast is presented by Blackshell Media, a publishing and marketing firm working to help independent video game developers reach massive audiences, publish financially successful titles, and turn game development into a career. The company also offers educational resources for aspiring and experienced developers alike, which is why we get to bring this show to you every week. For more on Blackshell Media, visit blackshellmedia.com. Hey, Insiders. I hope you enjoyed our 50th episode special last week with industry founder Nolan Bushnell. But if you happen to miss it, please go check it out and then enter our current giveaway. We're giving away the Game Developer Level Up Package, which includes three books from previous guests of the show, two of them signed, and also a service package from Indie Game U to help you get your game off the ground. You could even win a chance to come onto this show and chat with your idol, so check out that link in the description of this episode or visit blackshellmedia.com slash indieinsider to find ways to enter for your chance to win. And thanks for your continued support. Welcome to Indie Insider, presented by Blackshell Media. This is the weekly show where we talk with video game developers and professionals about their stories, their advice for others, and their thoughts on the indie video game industry. I'm Logan Schultz, and on today's show I sit down and talk with Zhenghua Yang, the founder of Serenity Forge. We talk at length about his incredible personal story, including the illness that almost ended his life, and how it inspired him to pursue his dreams and help others through storytelling. We also talk about his indie studio and his thoughts on what's next for the indie video game industry. As always, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas on what we should do next, shoot me an email at logan at blackshellmedia.com. You can also find the most up-to-date news on the Indie Insider podcast on Twitter by following at Logan A. Schultz or Indie underscore Insider. Finally, you can follow us on Instagram under the name Indie Insider. And now, Jinghua Yang of Serenity Forge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of the Indie Insider Podcast. And today, I am talking with Jinghua Yang, the founder of Serenity Forge, an indie video game studio and publishing company. Uh, you go by Z. Z, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm extremely excited to talk to you because you know I'm I'm a person who is very interested in the storytelling aspect of games, especially you know the artistry that comes out in the indie video game industry and it seems like you're somebody who's you know kind of at the forefront of that and someone who's also very interested in 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 that regard um would you mind telling me just a little bit about yourself about serenity forge and and the games that you guys create yeah absolutely so serenity forge uh i mean we only started it a couple years ago so i i kind of uh I mean, I've always been a video game enthusiast. Everyone, you know, gross. <laughs> Everyone's a gamer nowadays. Sure. Um, so when I was in middle school and high school, I used to play a ton of different games. And then, uh, uh, you know, I, I had a fairly unfortunate uh, illness when I was 18 years old, which um, really motivated me um, to essentially turn my passion of playing games into creating games. And my vision essentially at that time and now uh, is that uh, I want to create video games that challenge the way that people think about the industry and games that are able to help other people, um, especially the players while they're playing it. And that's kind of how we came to be. Would you mind um, you know, telling me a little bit more about you know the story? I know people can find your story of your illness and uh, you know how that really pushed you into creating video games um, and of course if I'm remembering correctly um, 
Loving Life, right? Uh, the game that maybe was kind of inspired by that. Would you mind going a little bit more in depth with that story, just kind of giving us a foundation upon which to talk? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> um, when I was 18 years old, I was diagnosed with a severe and chronic illness that um, essentially caused me to be hospitalized for two years. And it was a really... <clears throat> Sorry. That's um, right. it was a It was a really difficult time in my life. Um, so... Um, Basically, basically, um, you know, like when I was in middle school and high school, like I said, I played so much video games, and um, as as gamers do, I would you know play games until like four o'clock in the morning, and then get a couple hours of sleep, and then wake up at seven and go to school, and then come back home and just keep on playing games. You know, like I it, it was it was not a very healthy lifestyle um, as a kid, and when I when I was eighteen, essentially, I mean, I I started facing the physical consequences of all of that. Um, so from when I was 18 till I was uh, uh, 20, um, I was inside the hospital, and uh, and during this time, doctors essentially said that this you know my illness is one of these illnesses that um, doesn't really have a cure. It, it's just it's an autoimmune issue, um, and I just bleed a lot. That's kind of like what actually happened. Wow. Um, so uh, when I was uh, in the hospital, there's really not much I could do, and especially since doctors don't have a cure for me. Um, they're essentially just telling me that I need to wait it out and possibly die, you know, you, you pretty, you know, whenever I do. So uh, the only stuff, uh, the only things that I could really do, you know, I would read books, I would watch movies, but more importantly, I started playing all sorts of games, uh, you know, even more so um, since I have nothing else to do. Uh, I started playing games like, you know, Final Fantasy, where I can go out there and save the world and feel like I'm so powerful, you know. Um, and then I would play games like World of Warcraft, where I can make friends online and meet all these different people. And through playing these games, you know, ver various for various reasons, uh, you know, I was connected to people, I, w I felt empowered, um, I felt motivated, I felt like I was becoming a better person. Um, just all of these things really helped me mentally, physically. I was connected to doctors through online games where they would give me advice. It was just fantastic. And it's something that, you know, I would never have gotten if I didn't play video games. And eventually, uh, these, uh, you know, pieces of advice and all these friends that I got, uh, they ended up helping me so much that I started recovering. I started following, you know, instructions and meeting other doctors. I started getting better. And uh, eventually I got, I got better and uh, I finally was able to go back home and uh, go back to school as well. Um, but, you know, the thing is, looking back at it, it's like these games that I was playing, these, uh, you know, Final Fantasy and League of Legends and all these different games, uh, they weren't really made to help me, but they ended up saving my life. So maybe if we start making video games with the intention to help other people, what kind of power would we be able to unlock then? And that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and that's when I created Serenity Forge. So you've given, um, I believe, a TEDx talk about this story and uh, I know it's been documented other places I think you just did an uh, extra credits episode uh, in this past year yep that's correct how does it feel to to share this story and do people come to you um, relating to your story or wanting to talk more about it I mean have you become that person I guess you know, thankfully, <laughs> the, the illness <laughs> is so rare that it's actually kind of kind of hard to come across people with the same kind of problem. Sure. But, you know, 
I was actually very fortunate to be connected with um, three, I, I believe in the history of me talking about my story, I've been connected with three different uh, patients who are struggling with this or similar similar issues. Um, it's not quite hemophilia is because it's so uh, it's such an uh, idiopathic illness, which means that there's really no known cause for it. Um, but you know, like people people have shared stories. I would tell them um, different types of advice that you know I got that really helped me. Um, and uh, I guess in a way, I have became that guy <laughs> um, for better or for worse. But I think another way that I look at it is that it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's actually a great, uh, great way to emphasize just why I do what I do. Um, I, I, the way I see it is I should have died when I was 18. You know, I was throwing my life away when I was a kid and I, I don't deserve to be here. But I was given that second chance. So now that I have it you know, I have to make the most of it. I need to do the most that I could with the time that I'm gifted, essentially, um, to to make the world a better place. And that's it really motivates me quite a bit uh, on a daily basis. All right. So let's just dive into arguably the big question then. Mm-hmm. Why video games and what is it about video games that you think is capable or has the potential of making such a difference? I think... Um, well, I mean, the the easiest an- the easy answer here would be I like playing video games, right? I mean, like I think that's the easy answer. And I think sure, that's probably fair. the primary answer for for most people who work in games. However, I think the the, the real uh, the real answer for me is that uh, you know I'm a I'm a fairly forward thinking person, and the way I see it is that I see I think video games really are the gateway to uh, human civilization in the future. Um, everything that gamers do for video games they do it without pay right like you know like i played so much mmorpgs as a kid so much time like uh, ten thousand plus hours uh in mmorpgs online and i i mean no one ever paid me in fact i paid money to to play those games right <laughs> right that's a very powerful force if you think about it um and and really it went it went into nothing besides my own selfish enjoyment um, the way I see it is, what if we can, you know, channel some of that power um, to 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 for it to improve civilization? Um, what is it that we could do? I mean, not even not even civilization, like even just like self benefit. What if we design games to make the player feel even better than they do? Uh, you know, for every minute that they spend, they feel better playing this game than another game. That 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 would be cool, right? Like that's a that's a good um, thing that would improve our world. Um, what if uh, for every minute you play this game, some problem gets solved in uh, you know across the world, and that would be you know production. You're now all of a sudden you're having fun while you're producing and you're creating things. Um, I think that's there's just a lot of power inside entertainment and inside this interactive entertainment, and I think video games, again, like I said, is the gateway towards that kind of a future, very design focused civilization. So tell me a little bit about some of the games that Serenity Forge has put out in the last few years um, and, and maybe potentially how they, you know, tie into that goal. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of start from the beginning. We haven't been around for too long, but one of the first projects that I worked on as soon as I went back to school um, is a game called Loving Life, which is a, a non-fictional visual novel about my uh, illness. Um, so it's, it's, it was pretty short. It was like a 40-minute um visual novel where essentially you just walk in my shoes and see what happened when I got sick. Um, 
you know, like I released it for free online. Uh, people can just download it, whatever. Uh, it wasn't, you know, a commercial game by any means, and I was still just a freshman in college. And uh, I remember a month after we re- uh, we released the game, um, I I got this email from a fan. Uh, is, uh, it, he was from Spain, and uh, his English wasn't wasn't the best, and it was actually kind of like I had to kind of piece together what he was trying to say in his email. <laughs> um, but it was really sincere. He said that. Uh, apparently, he's been—he's actually been struggling with depression for for many years, and he was actually planning to commit his uh, commit suicide, and um, so he was going online looking for resources, and he somehow stumbled across my game, and he played it, and uh, and it moved him so much that he decided to not only uh, you know keep living, he actually uh, wanted to become a game designer. He and he just enrolled into a. Uh, uh, university for game design and he wanted to email me and thank me for creating the game that motivated him and i was like that's so cool right like i i'm <clears throat> i'm a freshman in college like i had no idea what i was doing i just came out of the hospital myself and uh and i i already changed someone's life by just putting together this 40 minute thing um and that's when i realized video games really do have power right i mean you hear so many different stories about playing games like journey where it pulls people out of depression or playing games like League of Legends with your friends across the world that you don't get to see and you'll probably lose touch with them uh, if it wasn't for the game so um, <clears throat> since then uh, we, we worked on multiple different games we released a game called Luna's Wandering Stars which is a puzzle game that plays like Angry Birds but we, uh, we have 100% real physics in there so kids are like secretly learning rocket science without them realizing it while playing this <laughs> addicting physics game um, you know we released uh, uh, we're currently working on games uh, like uh, well I guess uh, last year we released a game called Lifeless Planet uh, which is this uh, uh, like uh, how do you say it? like a science uh, fiction narrative driven game that really makes you question about your psyche while you're going through this kind of like story driven narrative um foresight of fantasy which is a game that uh um it's, it's kind of like a platformer puzzle platformer mario game but uh anytime you can lock the screen and you can go wrap the screen around to the other side to solve puzzles really like make you think outside the box and then now we're working on games like The King's Bird, which features a story about the duality of order and chaos and freedom and tyranny, uh, as well as a game called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, which is about the Dust Bowl America, Americana, like 1930s era, uh, talking about, uh, you know, just, just being, a, being a homeless person and how difficult it is to live in that part of history. So, you know, just all sorts of different games here and there. So, yeah, I mean, you... I'm familiar with some of the games you just listed, Lifeless Planet and Foresighted Fantasy, uh, I'm familiar with on the PS4, and then Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, you've actually, or I've seen, I've seen things about it, it seems like a really exciting, it's got a cool aesthetic, um, how do you decide what projects you're going to work on? And I know that, you know, there's the development side of Serenity Forge, and then there's also publishing, and I imagine those are different in some capacity, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so if you're if you're looking at org- uh, Cerny Forge as an organization, we're we're nine people, uh, just developers and publishers. I guess publishing the publishing branch is really just me and Kevin, which is our publishing director, and maybe like one other person. And uh, some of our developers can jump on and do some marketing art whenever needed. Mostly, we're still a development studio. Um, so you know, I, I listed out some of our own games. Um, but you know, to give you some examples of uh, games that we really, you know, focus on, 
Um, we just finished working with the St. Jude Children's Hospital. Um, we uh, we actually worked with them to <clears throat> to to build uh, three of their new uh, well to build their new uh, hospital in Memphis. Um, so three of the floors over there um, that just got finished installing. Um, our, uh, we made like 20 foot long walls of H HD displays where kids can be in front of them and put up their arms and fly around as an eagle inside the game while exploring the world. And these are like terminally ill kids between the ages of 5 to 10, often uh, with leukemia, uh, going through chemotherapy. Uh, you know, we would work with like the ETS, um, who uh, are the writers of um, like uh, the SATs and the GREs and, uh, you know, like all the standardized testing. And uh, we would work with them to try to create VR simulations that would like, for example, maybe uh, uh, like simulate some kind of a test lab scenario to kind of see if students really understand the concept as opposed to just filling in bubble sheets. So these are all like a lot of different projects that we do on the back end um, that we don't usually advertise um, since it's just not, it's not as cool looking, I guess. I mean, those things are incredible, though, and they're so unique to your company. How do you end up finding those types of projects and, and moving forward with those? Um, I, I mean, I think that's a combination of a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, marketing is, is pretty big. But, you know, once you're once you've done this long enough, you know, I go out there and talk about this a lot. I talk and, you know, I speak on podcasts such as this one and uh, and people hear it and people just start reaching out to me like, uh, you know, I get I get cold calls a lot from organizations that I'm just like wow that's amazing like I I I love that <laughs> you cold called me <laughs> um, like uh, just the other day the Children's Hospital of Colorado called me and uh, and just like randomly wanted to reach out because they heard me on the radio and it was talking uh, and they wanted to see if we could make games for hospitals <laughs> like that's exactly what we do <laughs> it's perfect um, so I, I think that's a major part of it um, meeting people at events is another one I mean I usually go to every E3 GDC packs and you know whatever it may be events and you know it's 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 always fun you, you immediately know once you meet someone who has a similar mindset in creating games and i think it's just easy to kind of make that connection because so few of these people exist i'm just blown away uh honestly by you know your drive your personal um you know goals that you want to pursue um and how you prioritize these things and and pursue these projects it's it's incredible do people tell you that all the time though i mean do you hear constantly that you know the things that you're doing are great and people are impressed and you've done so much you know following your story yeah i mean i i think um I think a lot of people do things for validation, and I think that's a that's a totally fine thing. Like we all have reasons for why we do things. Um, I mean, I, I love validation. Who doesn't? It's like yay, you know. Like people are <laughs> saying, oh, I'm saving people. That's great. Um, but honestly, I, this is going to sound super counterintuitive, and almost probably almost sounds like a downer to a, a lot of people in the audience. But I believe passion, especially like my this type of passion for a, a goal. Um, I would define it more as a disease uh, than something that actually helps. Um, I, I think people who are not passionate in life are the lucky ones uh, because they're the ones who don't necessarily need to ch achieve something to be happy. Um, I, I, I believe passion is it's just an illness that makes you makes it so that you have an unquenchable thirst towards a direction in life. 
um, and wh- whether if it's you know making the next making the next big game to make some make the most amount of money or try to be you know make the next big impact to try to save people's lives. I mean, it's it's all it's all the same. Um, and the way that I say see it for myself is that I you know sometimes I wish I wasn't so passionate so that I could actually enjoy life without having so much you know just stress and thinking about how I can do things with the limited amount of time that I have because um, I don't know it, it just feels like um, the end is always looming around the corner and it's always just so important for me to make the most out of my time absolutely I think that's really insightful so here's my follow-up question to that then is how do you manage your passion? I mean, you're such a passionate person. You're working on so many projects. Um, how do you even, you know, to organize your day? Um, I think it's, um, <clears throat> I think I'm really lucky in the sense that now that I'm leading a team, I don't have to necessarily confine myself into one role all the time. I mean, I, yeah, as a, as a leader of an indie team, really what you do is you do everything that no one else wants to do, right? And that actually kind of keeps it interesting. <laughs> like, like on a, on a day, if I have to go balance some, you know, spreadsheets and do some accounting and file some taxes, I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's, that's actually kind of fun. Uh, you know, like I get to relax my brain for a bit. I don't have to program or draw or anything like that or create anything. Um, so I, so I guess maybe, um, you know, setting up a life structure that is able to be uh, flexible and you can uh, do all sorts of things on a daily basis. Um, that way it keeps it really fresh and it keeps it uh, new as well. Like I can bring what I learned while, you know, doing accounting or doing uh, books at uh, the books uh, for the company uh, into game design. Be like, you know what? It'll be, ma- it'll be cool to make a game that facilitates accounting. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're bringing a completely different perspective in how you, uh, how you create. Just utilizing all those different experiences uh, in your creative process. That's really interesting in and of itself, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, hey, here's a question for you. And this is on behalf of those aspiring indie developers out there. You've started your own business. You're actually leading a team now. What is that like? I get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what was it like to start your own business, even down to the paperwork? I mean, was that was that all a positive experience? Has this all been, you know, roses for you? Um, <clears throat> I think the way that I see it is... I have this, I have this goal, right? I mean, I I, I want to push video games forward. I want to make that happen, um, and that's the that's the selfish goal. That's that's what I want to do. However, in order for me to do that personally, I have to utilize resources. Um, I have to use tools, like you know, money. Money is a tool that I can use, and and you know, like an office would be a resource that we could you know like utilize to to make that happen. Um, working with other people is just a part of that roadmap i mean i in order for me to get there i have to work with other people and and it's 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 fun because of it um everything is fun as long as i go towards that goal (laughs) i guess so everything is it's just very enjoyable as long as i'm on that path i think a lot of game developers um are kind of stuck maybe maybe this is a a good uh good kind of advice thing too for for game devs especially indies a lot of game devs i feel like are kind of stuck in one of two mindsets when they set out to make a game um and then uh you quickly realize why it gets frustrating because um number one the the, i see very common is i want to make the game um that makes the most amount of money right i want to make the next league of legends i want to make the next world of warcraft Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're stuck in this mindset where everything is driven by money 
However, money comes in a long-term prospect, so there's no short-term results ever, um, and it's just a constant grind. And every day that you don't see the short-term result, you feel like you're a failure, and you feel like it's painful. Um, and that's that's not you know I feel like that's that's really difficult mindset to get uh, to get out of. And the second mindset is that I just want to make a game that I would really like playing. Right, and, and I think a lot of game devs, especially you know younger ki-、uh, students who are kind of getting into this、uh, industry, are just trying to make games that they want to play. And a lot of times, that's really difficult too, because games that people want to play are usually AAA games that you can't just make by yourself.、Um, and regardless of which path you go down on, both are going to be really difficult to work with.、Um, and I feel like the truth is. If you're, if you ask yourself why you're making games,、uh, ultimately, like outside of money or you know wanting to play a game, wanting to be a consumer, well, like what are you doing with your game? Like when you make a game, when you create a product, how is this product going to change the world?、Um, if you think about that, and and set your goal, set your passion on that instead,、um, the other two are going to come with it, right? Like like Mark Merrill and Brandon Beck made a game. Made League of Legends, by the way. <laughs> made a game that they want the most amount of people in the world to play. Right? League of Legends right now it's a free to play game because it, because they wanted more people to play it. It's really easy to get into. It's you know on Mac, PC and Mac. You know, easy. To, it's low graphic settings, so that hard, there's no hardware limitation. All of their all of their design choices came from the fact that they want the most amount of people to play this game. And then they ended up. It, it 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 was a fun game that they like playing, and it turned out to be a game that's very financially profitable. So I I feel like you know it's one of these things that like what's the ch- chicken and egg thing? I don't know if that at all answered your question. It was kind of like <laughs> a giant tangent, but hopefully that helped. It was a bit of a tangent, but I actually really appreciated it. I appreciate、um, that you kind of keep going back to this idea of setting goals and then everything funneling towards. You know, the seeing the success of that goal,、mm-hmm. um, or the achieving of that goal, rather, and you, even down to you personally, and achieving your own personal goals. Would you recommend that as an approach to aspiring indie developers is setting those goals and then achieving them? Yeah, I think I think the way that I see goals and and just like you know, why, first of all, you got to think about why you do things.、Um, Why you do any? Why why do you do anything? <laughs> It's kind of like a philosophical question, right? Why do you do anything? Well, if you choose to make games, why are you making games? And you and then you and then I would think about like you know like, there's a, there's a couple answers to that. I want to feel like、um, I want to give back to society. I want to create a really fun game. Like I I, I kind of named a couple there,、um, but there's a lot of solutions to some of these things that don't actually need for you to make a game with. Um, you know, a lot of times I ask people this, and they're just like, "Oh, I want people to enjoy my work."、Um, well, like if you become an accountant and you have some clients, people are gonna enjoy your work too. You know, <laughs> like like there's a lot of ways for people to enjoy your work.、Um, accounting might be a little bit extreme, but you know, you can be an artist, you can be a film creator. There's all sorts of ways for people to enjoy your work. You don't have to make video games. And I I think a lot of people who fail in creating、uh, successful games. Is because they're unclear as to why they're making games, and there's actually easier paths for them to achieve their own goals.、Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that kind of answered the question. Well, I think it takes a certain level of self-reflection、um, to figure out, you know, what you want to do, and then also how to do it well. And you seem like somebody who has 
you know, taken the time to do some self-reflection. Maybe that's from, you know, sitting in a hospital room for two years. And maybe it's just from, you know, that you being that person. Do you remember yourself in middle school and high school? Were you always goal-oriented? Were you always kind of self-reflective as a person? Um, I guess, yeah. I mean, I was kind of a shutting nerd, so <laughs> I, I weighed like 200 pounds. I had like no friends, so I guess I was very self-reflective, uh, reflective without uh without my choice. <laughs> um, but I, I guess um I I think it's it's not necessarily the uh, self reflection. Uh, there's one more thing I think I want to add onto the goal orientedness sure. um, of how like goals really work for me personally, and that is uh, I compare goals to driving to work. Um, on a normal day, let's say you're driving to work and then you see a roadblock, like road closed, detours this way, right? Yeah, uh, you see it and you're not, you're not, the first thing that goes in your head is not going to be, oh, road's closed. I better go home. I can't go to work today, right? The first thing you think about is I better go around it and I, uh, I <laughs> just get to work through another road. Um, I think a lot of indie game devs, they are very self-defeating, um, when they come across something that's difficult. Uh, like, for example, you, they release their first game and then no one buys it, you know, sells 10 copies on Steam the first week. You know, like the first thing I think that jumps into any indie game dev's head is, well, I'm, I suck, right? I, I'm, I suck at game dev. I should just quit while I'm ahead, right? Like, I, I should just quit before I waste even more, uh, even more time. And it's funny because I believe these stories are the polar opposite uh, results uh, to the same thing. Um, when you're really passionate to create video games, you can't you can't think that way. I mean, everyone's gonna have to fail. I mean, there's a Chinese proverb that says that the the mother uh, what was it the uh, the a failure is the mother of success. Um, you have to have failure in order to be successful. Brian Tracy once said that um, in order for you to double your amount of success, you have to triple your uh, your chances of failure, <laughs> which is which is crazy. Um, so like fa- failure is is uh, it's gonna happen. It, it, it will for sure happen. Everyone fails to get anywhere. Um, and uh, when you have this roadblock in front of you, you can't just give up and go home. You have to find another way around it and continue towards your goal. So I think maybe maybe that kind of also answers your both of these questions here. Yeah, absolutely. Has Serenity Forge faced any major failures yet in in its short life? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had we have we've had tons of different types of failures i mean personally i mean when i when my tedx talk went live there was a some there was a person who wrote a three paragraph essay about how i should go kill myself so that's there's that oh my god um yeah uh, externally when we release games we always get people who you know would downvote uh the hell out of it saying that it's just a ripoff of whatever game your music is stolen even though it wasn't um there's tons of uh just backlash for whenever we release games or release any kind of content um internally we've had uh co-founders some of my best friends in my life who eventually would get into such heated arguments i mean there was actually one time uh internally where one of our co-founders sabotaged my car in order to hurt me um, out of just because we had a different uh, different opinion on how the company should be run. And, uh, you know, we would go into legal problems and all of that. I mean, it's just so many, so many things, <laughs> so many things. But but 
that's what happens, right? Like the way I see it is, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg had a way worse. Like no matter <laughs> no matter what I'm doing right now, I think Mark Zuckerberg, if he saw what I'm doing, he'd be like, get with the times, right? <laughs> like it's like, come on, like that's nothing. So let, I don't worry about it. Like I I know that whatever I'm doing right now is just small small fry compared to anything else anyone who's successful had to face. Uh, let's dive into that just a little bit more because I think there are some applicable things in there. Um, we can start with kind of that anecdote you told about your co-founders fighting and, and sabotaging your car. Um, yeah. Let's tie that into the idea of collaboration. So there are a lot of indie devs out there who are collaborating either with you know people physically in front of them or people across the world and they're collaborating on the internet to build their projects, put their projects out. Some are you know just one game and some are trying to build entire studios. Do you have thoughts on collaboration and and specifically I guess negative collaborations? I think I think no matter what kind of collaboration you do, trust is going to be the number one thing um that goes into everything. And and and, and that means nothing. Like the way <laughs> the way I say it, it really means nothing. I I, I like I I hate it when I say stuff like that cuz I know that it means nothing to the audience. Um so so to kind of like go into uh some examples, um the way that we do things is we always um, kind of a place amount of blind trust in our partners because I, I believe really all trust is blind in some way. Um, if you don't have blind trust for someone, then you don't really, really trust them. Um, <clears throat> I mean, looking at their past history is always very important and getting burned a couple of times is also pretty important having the, you know, the amount of failure to get into it. But like when you work with other people, you just have to trust them. If you if you don't trust someone, um, and you uh, you just don't just don't work with them. Like there's no point, because um, you start distancing you, you start distancing the relationship. Um, you get nothing done, and then you start creating like like this negative communication cycle where you're just like thinking about things, but you can't say it to their face, and they're gonna start thinking about the same things that, to you, and they can't say it to your face. Um, and then and then you just can't create a good product once you have communication barriers. So. Again, like I, I think working with people, like either if it's a publisher-developer relationship, I mean, we, so to kind of give the uh, the listeners some background here, uh, we are a publisher, so we publish games uh, who are you know being developed, uh, which are being developed by other studios. We are also a developer. Um, and we have our own publishers for our own development games. So, and then we have other games that we just kind of develop and publish in house. We have licensing deals working with, uh, you know, like movie, uh, giant movie corporations where we use their IPs and create video games as well. So there's just all sorts of different relationships. Um, and I think you just got to play by ear for each one and be, uh, courteous and be okay with placing blind faith to all of your business partners. How do you know if an interaction or collaboration isn't going well? Um, how do you know when it's time to cut ties and let those things go? Um, so, I mean, there's the there's the triple bottom line uh, in business. Uh, it's kind of a hippie thing that people really <laughs> like to talk about nowadays in the business world. It hasn't really caught up yet in the in the uh, game industry, but I would like to. Um, and that is uh, that is people, planet, and profit. Uh, so, so the three things that you need to make sure that you're hoping whenever you do something. Uh, I think a lot of people think about, you know, like the, the I, mean, I guess the way that I see it is a lot of times I think about what we're doing with the game, how great it could be, what kind of potential it has. But at the end of the day, profit is still a very important thing and you can't forget about that. Um, so 
you know, like once you start bleeding money as a company, once you realize that financially it's not a sound deal anymore, you have to cut it. I mean, you you can't. You can't. You just. I mean, you literally you cannot because you're gonna have to. <laughs> you just have to. You you have to go bankrupt if you continue. So I, I think that's a that's a pretty big deal for us. Sure, <clears throat> I understand that. Uh, well, let's talk about something else that you mentioned, which was kind of the idea that when your TED talk came out or when you put games out, you sometimes receive some backlash and some negative feedback. What advice would you give or insight would you give to, you know, indie devs out there who release a project they're really passionate about and there's that one person or maybe a community of people who, you know, are negative and and can say some negative things? Yeah, Um, this is a it's a funny quote, but I actually learned this from uh, my girlfriend. Uh, She she's actually a video game journalist. Uh, She goes by Pew Pew Cat. And uh, so at our house, uh, she has this uh, plaque. Um, that's a quote that says, well-behaved women seldom make history. <laughs> and the way that I see it is, well-behaved anyone, <laughs> any person, seldom make history. Um, I think when I got that kind of death threat or whatever, I think that's a good thing. Um, at least it's not like too, I don't have too many. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty well-behaved uh, compared to, you know, a lot of very vocal people online. Um the way I see it is I'm making a difference, right? Um, if, if people don't hate me, <laughs> if, if there aren't <laughs> at least a little bit of, a bit of people out there that, that, that hate me, then I'm probably not making any changes, right? I mean, people, people don't really like change. And uh, I, I, think, I think that's probably a good validation point than anything. I wish I saved it. I, I think YouTube ended up removing that comment. I, like, I actually wish I saved it so I can just, like, print it out, pin it on my wall and look at it every day <laughs> and be like, damn, I really I really did something. Like, people got really pissed off. That's that's great. Like, that's that's amazing. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to be, like, douchey about it. Uh, so, I, I, that sounded pretty douchey. So, sure, no, but, no, but, no, but, no. Like, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, though, like I, I, I do believe that if, um, if you're making changes, you're probably going to see backlash, no matter what you do. I mean, you can name your console the Wii, and then half the world is going to hate you, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, Xbox One X One, whatever it is now. I mean, and people are going to start having backlashes, right? But then you look at how successful these companies have been, and how their marketing teams have been sitting there thinking about how things can change. I'm sure a lot of work went into it, and there's a lot of good reasons for it. Um, so again, like I, I wouldn't say that it's a thing that you should hate. I, I in fact, I would try to welcome it up until a certain point where it becomes actually dangerous, in which case, you know, don't don't welcome that. <laughs> sure, that's fair. Well, you've mentioned a couple times uh, about, you know, hanging a quote up or pinning something on a wall. Is that something that you actually do? Do you do you put things up on a wall so you remember them Is, or quotes or anything like that? Um, I used to. Uh, nowadays, I just have some Kid Icarus and uh, Link posters on my wall in the <laughs> office here. Um <clears throat> I think that's a that's that's a good practice. Um, I believe there's a quote that I heard recently that was like, "You are the combination of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with," um, <clears throat> which is really cool. Like, if if anyone like listeners out there, if you just think about the five closest people uh, in your life and you just average all five of them, you are pretty much that person. And I th- I think that's actually pretty accurate, at least from the people that I've met. So. If you want to be someone, just start reading their quotes, reading their uh, texts, 
learn as much as you can about them. And that's kind of what I do. I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of uh, just like self-help books, even if you want to call it that way, uh, just like books that would, uh, you know, improve you know, all sorts of different things, like learning more about economics, learning more about psychology. And I think it really helps me because I'm surrounding myself with these PhDs and amazing authors um, who just teach me so much more than you know, a, a friend from high school could teach me, I suppose. Uh, so, so, and, and then it, it really helps me. And I think the quote thing kind of comes from that. So here's a question for you in that same, you know, line of thinking, how do you stay so motivated? You know, you're constantly working on all these projects, you're out there to change the world, you're, you know, reading nonfiction books and surrounding yourselves with people who, and thoughts from people who, you know, maybe are, are you know, very intelligent people or very thoughtful people. How do you remain so motivated? You know, I, I think there's definitely a misconception of uh, of passion in uh, just in any industry where it's so human centric, like people centric. Like if you ever Google me or look me up, it just seems like I'm some kind of a saint that's like here to save the world. But I'm I'm not <laughs> like I, I'm definitely not. I'm just gonna go on public record right now to say that's complete lie. Great, um, you heard well, not, not a complete lie. Yeah, yeah. Not a complete lie, maybe, but maybe like. Uh, mostly lie like if you actually like just follow me around on a daily basis you see me like sitting there going like man this room is hot or, like, or just like huh I, I don't know what to do i guess i'll just browse facebook for the next hour and a half like there's there's tons of moments like that and i think it's really important pe- for people to realize that everyone does that like successful authors successful ceos of giant corporations everyone does that because we're all human like every single person is human. No individual human is really that much smarter or more or like biologically advanced compared to any other human being in the world. Like if you just take a random, take any two random human beings uh, around the world and compare the two, they're biologically and physiologically, they're pretty much the same, like, like in all regards. Anyone can do anything that anyone else does. Um, so... If you, if you, mostly, most of this is really just like how, how media perceives things and how like people get hyped up over how great someone is. And I think, uh, you know, please like, don't, don't feel like, uh, every, like all these leaders in the world just have this un, unquenchable, like a thirst towards like always being a hundred percent active in creating better things. I mean, there are downtimes and I think those are very important. I like to make tea. Like I like to brew my own kombucha <laughs> when I'm free. Uh, you oh, know, that's would, awesome. Yeah, like I iron clothes for fun. Like this is the weirdest thing. Like I have tons of different hobbies. I play the piano when I'm bored, um, and I play a ton of games. Like recently, I've been playing PUBG. Uh, I played a lot ah. of Overwatch recently. <laughs> I, I was trying to get into competitive Overwatch. I, I I get really competitive when I play games. I still play Melee, Smash Bros. Melee on a competitive level. So it's just tons of you know tons of different things. I think that's something that's so important that isn't said enough. I feel like we live in a culture, especially in the video game industry, where we feel like we need to be going all the time. We need to be doing all the time, achieving all the time, growing all the time. I mean, even if you want to talk about the podcast corner of the world, um, it feels like we need to be taking in information all the time so that we're constantly growing and learning and, and gaining information. But that's not necessarily the case, and it's important to remember that people... Even people who do seem like they are going all the time and are achieving all the time do have those moments of downtime where they do end up sitting on their phone and and scrolling for an hour and a half. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's actually, uh, I don't know if you have read a book called The Reality is Broken by Jay McGonigal. Um, This is a, it's a really great book and I would recommend it to everyone, Um, especially ones who are interested in kind of getting, 
getting into meaningful games development, etc. So one of the things that she said is that uh, the the way that society is designed, quote unquote design, I guess, um, is it's pretty uh, flawed. And it's exactly what you just said. It's that everyone in the world is always looking to, um, you know, for very extrinsic uh, comparisons. Like, oh, how much money do you make? How how big of a house do you have? You know, do you have a beautiful wife? Do you have a white picketed fence with a golden retriever dog and two kids? You know, like you're always comparing these external things that aren't actually ourselves. And we're defined by these external things. What she's saying is, exa- is exactly what video games actually do helps people in and that is when you play a game everything becomes internal it becomes an intrinsic value it's that when you play tetris and then you get to the next level you're getting to level nine everything's going super fast and you're just like wow i'm so good at tetris i'm getting so much better than i was a month ago right that's not something that you can show off to people i mean maybe some people but like not <laughs> not a lot of people in the world that's gonna hear that and be like wow good job man right you know like like everyone it's mostly for yourself like when you when you do stuff like that and pretty much every single player game you kind of feel that way and and the question is is that really worthless and i guess the easy answer is that it's not worthless and it makes you feel great and it's, it makes you feel accomplished even though maybe getting a white picket of fence giant house is not feasible in today's society anymore. Um, but you can feel the same way while you're playing a game and still feel really great about yourself and gain that self-confidence. Well, Z, as you go, um, let me ask you a couple of bigger questions about the industry before I send you on your way, if that's all right. Um, yeah, totally. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of uh, trends in the indie video game space uh, obviously, you know, you're somebody who has your ear pretty close to the ground. You mentioned that you're, you know, going to conventions all the time and, and you're, you know, publishing games and developing games. What are you seeing as some of the most exciting things that are going on in the indie video game space right now? What's exciting you? Well, I, I think for the past 10 years at this point, um, the most exciting thing is that indie games matter now. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> back in the 1980s, if you ever, like, play a game, everything is going to be, like, made by 10 people or 15 people, right? Uh, even the, the quote-unquote triple-A games, that's that's pretty much the development size for, for every game back then. And there were, there were tons of ingenuity. Like, imagine RPGs without Ultima. Like, uh, like before Ultima, what's an RPG? No one really knows. Or, like, RTS before Warcraft. Um, or even Ultima, I guess, if, if you want to go really deep. Um, but for, for the, But then, like companies started growing really fast and then all these giant budget games came out and then indies got kind of pushed to the side and for the past 10 years they became they they've been growing so much that it's almost like cliche for me to talk about how how big they are becoming i would say that indie games will uh, i don't know Uh, first of all the the term indie games i'm sure you have a lot of like people who already told you this is it's that the term indie games is already kind of a ambiguous and vague term um i mean like look at ori and the blind forest is, is that is that an indie game right um can you really say that ori and the blind forest and you know something like uh like you know uh, undertale or maybe hyperlight drifter would be in the same category of games um they play the same but <laughs> the people <laughs> working on it is very different the the budget is very different um, so so it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, like, wasn't uh, there was an indie game, quote unquote indie game, released by EA? I think it was called Ong Twine or Ong 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 Wine, something like that. It was with the it was with the yarn. Oh, boy, Yarny, right? um, that unravel. 
Is that right? Unravel. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. It was like if you look at that, is that a is that an indie game? I guess it it looks and plays like one. Um, but it really doesn't have. Um, it really does not. It, it, like on the back end, it's not. It's not the same at all. So, so here's a question. I think going off of kind of what you're saying is, what do you think about the lack of a double A space? Uh, it, it seems like right now there's this there's huge triple A games and then there's small indie games. But there are a lot of games that maybe might slide easily into that double A middle area, but we aren't defining them that way. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think it's just difficult for the game industry to grow due to the fact that a dollar of marketing budget equals uh, equals direct increase in sales. As long as that holds true, which is going to be probably true for like the remainder of time. Um, it's indie games and th- this missing double A part is always going to be, uh, it's always going to be hard for them to, to continue living. Um, whenever you make an indie game is always a gamble. I mean, I'm sure you understand more than most people in the world. Uh, you invest in an indie game, you invest in anything small like that. You're essentially gambling to see if, if it'll be the next Undertale. And if it is, then you can fund a hundred more games. If it's not, then it's one of the hundred games that didn't succeed that you invested in. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's, that's kind of how, how indie games go. The advice, I guess, here that I would give to the listeners um, is actually from a book called The Lean Startup by Eric Rice. Um, one, of, uh, one of his, I think his second principle in that book is that he recommends everyone to shoot bullets, then cannonballs. And he compared starting a startup like an indie game studio. Uh, he actually started a small game studio, and that's why the whole book is kind of about games. But he was mostly talking about the tech industry. His advice is that um, it's actually very similar to like uh, a, a, a sea battle, like in a pirate, like a pirate sea battle uh, inside fog, and that is uh, you have a giant ship and they have a giant ship, and you have a very limited amount of resources. You only have so much gunpowder, and you can mm-hmm. only shoot so much. So you you only have one giant cannonball, and that's how much you have, and you have to use this cannonball to sink the ship. Well, how would you do it? Well, you can't just you know randomly think about a direction that you want to go in and then shoot it because then if you miss, you're done. You're 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 you lost the battle. Um, instead, uh, the the ship captain would take out the musket and start shooting the musket everywhere. I mean, obviously a musket a musket isn't gonna do anything against the ship. However, he could listen, right? Like you would shoot a, shoot a musket in a direction, see if it hits something, and you just keep on shooting. So. Basically, uh, you know, eventually you'll hit something with a musket, and then you load up your cannonball and shoot in that direction, and you sink the enemy ship. Um, starting a small indie game studio, I would recommend uh, doing the same thing, and that is to just take your limited resources and just put it in all sorts of small things as much as you can up until something hits, and then you t- dump all your resources in that. And that's how you really be successful uh, or guarantee your success. Um, the way that Serenity Forge has been doing it is that we still, I believe, I firmly believe that we still haven't hit the ship yet with our musket. And I think we are still ways off until we can actually get there. And it's just a matter of time until we actually find that one thing. And then that's when we will hit with that cannonball. That's awesome. So you're preparing. You have the cannonballs ready when that time comes. And it's kind of, you know, preparing for when that opportunity arises so that you're ready to seize it when it's there. Yep, Exactly. Excellent. I like it. Well, Z, you've been extremely insightful, um, and you're just a cool guy. I appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with me. Um, Before I let you go, though, at the end of every episode, I do ask my guest to share a piece of advice, a final piece of advice, since you've already shared a great deal. Um, But something that has been true for you or has resonated with you, um, 
that you'd like to share with others, aspiring indie developers, people who want to go and start their own companies, a la Serenity Forge, um, or maybe you want to get into publishing, a la Serenity Forge. Um, what do you want to send people home with today? I think to wrap it all up, pretty much the centerpiece of my advice had always been uh, figure out why um, you do what you do. And that, that isn't just video games, and that kind of spans across all of life. Um, because chances are there's probably an easier path to achieve your goal and uh, if you just think about it a little bit more. Um, you know, the, 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 what I want to do in life is that I want to push the game medium forward. I want to see this medium turn into everyday life. I want to see um, games or game elements being used everywhere because I know that it'll, it'll happen eventually. It's just not there yet. When we make games... Um, each individual proje- project that we do, we think about how that's going to help us on our path towards that goal or towards that direction. And then that's why we make these games. Um, you know, whenever a, a product comes out, we think about what this game is going to do for our society. When people play this game, let's say a million people play this game, which, you know, probably hasn't happened with our games, but a million people play this game. Um, what is that going to do to our society, right? Like if you, if you make a mobile game and a million people play it, uh, are you wasting their time or are you teaching something at the end of the day? And uh, I, think, I think as game developers, we are more responsible than any other group of people in our industry to make sure that we are being ethical in how we make games. Whenever we make a game, think about the consequences of us making that game and uh, how that will translate into how our world will change. And I, I think that um, really um, with that in mind, uh, I, I think with the power of game developers, uh, we could really make a difference. I love it. Uh, Z, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people have really enjoyed this talk, they want to know more about you or follow you and your work or the work of Serenity Forge, how do they find you out on those interwebs? Yeah, so you can find Serenity Forge on Twitter at Serenity Forge uh, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Serenity Forge or just our website, serenityforge.com. Um, and then personally, you can find my Twitter at uh, Yang. so all spelled out Z-H-E-N-G-H-U-A-Y-A-N-G. Um, and I believe that's probably the easiest way to find me, and you can just tweet at me or whatever. I'm not super popular or anything, so <laughs> I can, I'll, I'll respond. So, I don't know, man. You are super popular on Twitter, at least. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, over 10,000 followers. That's pretty awesome. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky to have, you know, all these different opportunities speaking on the air and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that people really do support the vision. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about? Otherwise, that's it. Thank you for joining us this week. Again, if you have thoughts, questions, or ideas you'd like to share, you can email me at logan at blackshellmedia.com or reach out on Twitter at Indie underscore Insider or at Logan A. Schultz. That's L-O-G-A-N-A-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. You can also find us on Instagram under the name Indie Insider. The show is on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast services across the web, as well as the Blackshell Media blog. If you enjoy what we're doing here and want us to keep doing it, or if you have things you'd like us to change, please go to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review so that we can keep sharing these episodes with you each week. Special thanks this week go out to Raghav Mother, Daniel Doan, and Raquel Hainer, as well as Benjamin Tiso over at bensound.com for the use of his song, Going Higher. 
I'm Logan Schultz, and you've been listening to Indie Insider. We'll see you next week.